Welcome to The Dish, the show that uncovers the stories behind the world's most famous dishes. We are your hosts, Tomo and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us and expert guests with tasty facts, foodie secrets and more. In this episode, we take a one-of-a-kind roaming degustation through Colombo, Sri Lanka, with an Asia's top 50 restaurateur, Darshan Munadasa. We visit his most prestigious restaurant, Ministry of Crab. Plus, we try traditional Japanese with a Sri Lankan twist and contemporary fine dining versions of traditional Sri Lankan street food. Hello! Welcome to another episode of The Dish. Yes, we are back to speak about more delicious food around the world to get you salivating to travel. Yes, and this episode is the next of our personal food travel stories series where we talk about dishes that maybe aren't the most world famous, but they're things that we've personally gone out and experienced and loved, and so we wanted to share them with you. Yeah, so the one that we're doing today was something we actually didn't expect when we turned up in the land of Sri Lanka. The capital, Colombo. Yeah. And uh, we just ended up having this really crazy experience with this great chef there. And so we wanted to tell you guys all about it because it was a really interesting and fun night. Yeah. In case you didn't know already, we are foodfuntravel.com. We say it quite a lot, but if you're new to this podcast, maybe you haven't heard it. And we've actually been to over 93 countries now, and we've eaten our way through them and tried lots of different food. So we do have some Pretty random food stories. Not only have we tried many of the most famous dishes in the world at the source, but also we do have these crazy stories of other dishes that just, you know, they rocked our world. They changed our lives. So in this episode, we are going to be talking about a roaming Diga station dining experience in Colombo, the capital of Sri Lanka. And some listeners may not really know the word Diga station so much. I know it has different meaning in a different country. Uh, for Americans, I believe tasting menu is the term they use. Yep. But in Australia, we use degustation. And yeah, essentially, we're trying lots and lots of smaller portions of different dishes. And on this occasion, we are roaming. So a roaming degustation, what, that's very different from a regular degustation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Usually, you just sit down on your seat and you, the food will come to you and you just stay there all night eating. But in this occasion, we're going to the food. Yes, exactly. Uh, and we went to three different restaurants because it turned out that this particular chef owned three different restaurants. So that's where we went. Yeah. And it wasn't just a bit unique. It was actually also the first time he had ever run a degustation of this style. He'd never done a roaming degustation. We were literally his guinea pigs. I'm fine with that. And it's actually the first time, well, he told us, he reckons it's the first time that anyone has ever had a roaming degustation on the island of Sri Lanka in in a professional sense. Well, Um, I mean, it's something that we've never done. I've never heard of it before. It's the only roaming degustation I've ever done other than like, you know, like a food tour. But that's not the same. It's probably not quite the same, but definitely we've done lots of experiences where we have stopped at different food stalls and different cafes and restaurants within the space of a few hours and tried a different dish in every one. This is something quite different because it's sort of like a fine dining degustation between quite high class restaurants that he owns. 
So it's pretty interesting. Um, to make this even more special, we were actually the only two official guests on the tour. <laughs> yeah. So we almost felt like royalty. There were some other guests who arrived and then disappeared periodically throughout the tour. The sort of, they were friends of our host. <laughs> yeah. And I guess we should introduce him. It's Deshan Munidasa. He's a child of Sri Lankan and Japanese parents, owner of three restaurants in Colombo, two of which have been featured multiple times in the Asia's 50 Best Restaurants list. Mm -hmm. So this is a big deal. After the world's Best 50 list, this is Asia's, this is the next one. It's yeah. the next one. It's huge. Definitely. You, people, if, you, if you're in Asia, you want to be on that list. You absolutely yeah. want to be on that list. And he gets quite frequently more than one restaurant makes it on that list. And he's still continuing to open restaurants. I think he just actually opened up a Ministry of Crab in Thailand. Well, we should mention first that one of his restaurants is Ministry of Crab. That is... Yes. Before he randomly opened a second Ministry of Crab, in case you guys don't know what that is. Of course, the name sort of says it all. It is very much focused on crab. It's a place to go and worship the almighty crab. Yes, it is. And... In the best restaurants list, 2019, as we're recording, it ranks 35. When we visited a couple of years back, it ranked 25. So it has been on the list for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So we'll be having multiple courses. Well, we had multiple courses at each of his three main restaurants, a roaming fusion of traditional Japanese, contemporary Sri Lankan cuisine, and sort of a mix between the two, which was fantastic. And there was quite a lot of very nice wines. Along the way, yeah. he did not hold back on opening the good bottles. And of I'm course, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm totally down with that. Yeah, we love that. That was a good combination with the seafood. There was a lot of white wine. And of course, some of the best rated crab on the planet. Yes. Literally. Yes. It was insane. And when we get more into the story, you guys will realize because, like, you're like, oh, crab, all right, whatever. But it's like, no, no, this is like the crab. Yeah, the best crab. And we'll tell you a little bit what, about why as we get into a, a bit more of Deshaun's backstory before we get started on the actual story of the degustation itself. As we mentioned, Deshaun was born in Sri Lanka, but he has Sri Lankan and Japanese parents. So he's a mix and it comes across very clearly in his cuisine because he's got a very traditional Sri Lankan restaurant, but it's been upgraded to fancy traditional. It's sort of, he's taken all of these amazing dishes and made them new versions. Which he copped a lot of crap for, actually. Yes. The locals were not impressed until they tried it. And then they were like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Oh, you are allowed to change our traditional <laughs> food because you're from here and everything. It's fine. Also, traditional Japanese food and Ministry of Crab sort of sits closer to Sri Lankan, but with some, some ideas from Japanese in there. He's not actually a formally trained chef at all. His love of food just stems from the other side of the important chef equation, which is the eating side. Hey, hey, you know. He's a serious eater, and yet he just figured out how to cook brilliant food, and he's got all these other amazing chefs around him, and he's worked with them to create these fantastic dishes. And he, I mean, he's a great cook as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. If you have this vision of what it is that you want to be eating or the way that you want the dish to go, then... You know, you don't go and get formal training to do it. I mean, you can, and a lot of people do. Most people do. Most people do, but, but some to. people are just like, eh, I'm just going to try and see what happens. Yeah, and he's a real perfectionist. He's constantly fighting to improve the food. 
He's always testing new ideas, which is, of course, why he's it's why he's got so many accolades because he's always trying to do new things and criticisms, and be better, and lots of criticism because yeah. he's always pushing boundaries. Yeah, which is what you need to do in the food world. You know, there's a lot of people that we. I mean, we love traditional food, and but the people that you know push the boundaries and come up with the new things, like there's just some flavors that you would never expect would work until someone gave it a try, and you'd be like, yeah, I don't know about that, and then you try it, you're like, oh, this is my everything. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, he's coming up with unique ideas and he's making it work. Not everything will work. That's the point about being creative. Yeah. But most of the stuff we tried worked very, very well. And he actually told us, Deshaun told us that his main goal in life is he wants to be on the cover of Time magazine and every single decision he makes in his restaurant business and what he does, he always comes back to that thought. And it's something we've heard from other entrepreneurs. You always come back, what is your primary goal? And then you go, well, is this something I should do based on whether it will get me close to that goal or not? Yep. And he's living proof that that strategy works. He's not on Time Magazine yet, but I, I think he's he will be one yet. day. Yeah. He's not that old. He's got plenty of time and he just keeps improving and keeps doing new things. It's pretty impressive. All right. Well, I hope you got some belly space because I think it's time for us to get started on the actual roaming degustation. Stop number one, Ministry of Crab, number 35 in Asia's top 50 restaurants. And it's, it's a world-class heavyweight as far as seafood restaurants go. Yeah, you have to make a reservation to go here because they only have a limited amount of seafood every day. Yeah, that's it. They are using fresh crab every day and other seafood. They have no refrigeration That shocked me. When Deshaun explained that there is no refrigeration at all in that restaurant, I was like, what? What are you talking about? But then he explained that, of course, it's... That's how it's the freshest crab. Like they catch it that morning, they bring it into the restaurant. It's live. And it's live. And then they, that is what you eat that night. So depending on what they catch depends on what you eat. They actually have crabs weighing up to two kilos, which Monsters. is like four and a half pound crabs. Monster crabs. They and were they're huge. Massive. And being the PR genius that Deshaun seems to be, he has an open kitchen and he actively encourages diners to like take a look over the side of the kitchen, see these big crabs coming out, take photos of the staff with the crabs. He got us in the kitchen. I mean, the first thing he did literally when we sat down at the table and we first met him, he's, he said, like, hang on a second, I'm going to come back. And he went and grabbed two of the biggest tiger prawns I have ever seen. These are literally one foot long. And he just held them in front of us for a photo op. I'm like, yeah, this guy knows how to get people going, knows how to get the PR working for food. Until that moment, I never knew a prawn could be that big. Biggest prawns I've ever seen. Yeah. Still to this date. Yeah. Insane. And caught locally in Sri Lanka. And fresh. Totally fresh. These things are not coming out frozen. This is what they caught that day. We've got these tiger prawns. We've got giant, giant crabs. Amazing. Yeah, everything is caught 100% live in the lagoon. There's a massive lagoon just north of Colombo. It's sort of like 20 miles north of Colombo. It's, it's huge. And they are catching all of the best seafood. And he is, he's not taking on any bad seafood. He said bad crabs have no place in the kitchen. They get sent off to other venues. So everything gets checked when it arrives. And if it's not up to the standard he wants to serve, then it gets sent away and some of the other venues in Sri Lanka get this cheaper crab that's yeah. not going to be as good. That's how you know you're getting top quality stuff. And, well, as we mentioned before, if he doesn't have refrigeration, he has to have the best of the best. Yes, exactly. There's actually a little video of one of the chefs showing us the giant crab on uh, the article that's accompanying this podcast. You can go to foodfuntravel.com slash Colombo podcast, which says it's Colombo like the detective. C-O-L-O-M-B-O. So not... Not Colombo, it's pronounced Colombo, I believe. 
but it's spelt the same as Colombo, the Peter Falk. Just think Peter Falk and get out there and <laughs> go see that article. See, I don't know him as Colombo. I know him as the, the granddad from The Princess Bride. Oh, fair enough. But I still know enough that I'm like, I put two and two together. You say Colombo and I'm like, oh, Princess Bride. And he's not Sri Lankan. Certainly not. <laughs> not even slightly. <laughs> so Deshaun told us that Mediterranean and Japanese food philosophy meets Sri Lankan crab and, and lots of olive oil and garlic. He actually mixes all these things together. He uses Italian olive oil with garlic, but also Sri Lankan chili and Japanese soy sauce. That's like one of his classic dressings for cooking his crab. Yeah. So, as you just heard, a lot of people would see that as straight up like heresy, combining those different products from different regions to create a particular flavor. But he doesn't care. He's after a certain flavor that he wants, and so he'll use what he has to use in order to replicate it. And it worked. I mean, we loved it. And forget, I mean, I don't know if you're listening to this, how big the biggest crab you ever had was. I've had some sort of medium-sized crabs. I'm not from crab country. England is not massive on crabs. They do have crabs. But all I remember throughout my life, whenever you get crab, you have to suck these tiny bits of meat out of medium-sized claws. It's like all claws, no meat. Yeah. Yeah, And you're always picking stuff out of your mouth, trying to get to the actual meat. And you're like, oh, what is this? but not at Ministry of Crab. It's giant, giant crabs, and you open up that claw, and it's just this beautiful, buttery flesh, big pieces of it, so easy to get at. Incredible. Definitely the best crab I've ever tasted, and apparently the best crab almost anyone has ever tasted. That's why it's doing so well on the Best 50 list. Yep. But your hands are going to get messy, so <laughs> well, yeah. get ready for that. I believe there were bibs. I, I do remember wearing a bib. It's a very, it's like a nice, it's not like a fancy restaurant, but it's certainly well styled. Deshaun has really good taste in the design, the way that he designs his restaurants. But then, yeah, you sit down in this nice restaurant and you've got like your nice clothes on and then you get a bib. <laughs> Why not? Yep. It's all part of the fun. <laughs> so, yeah, we feasted on the best crab ever and some excellent clams as well. And that was our first two courses. Bit of a stomach warm up with some seafood before we jumped in with Deshaun's private driver and Deshaun himself to head to the next stop, which was Nihonbashi, his original restaurant, also a top 50 restaurant. And up until the recent new list of 2019, where he's just been knocked out of the top 50. But in 2018, he was still at number 45. So it's still an amazing achievement. It's simple, elegant, Sri Lankan ingredients, but with a traditional Japanese mindset. In fact, if you close your eyes and taste the food, you could easily be fooled into thinking you were sitting in Japan and eating it, apart from the humidity. (laughs) It was a warm night, that's for sure. (laughs) They do have aircon rooms as well. Yeah, yeah. So the way that the restaurant set out was all these different levels. um, And then you go up to sort of the top level and there were these private rooms that were air conditioned that you could go and have like parties in and, and whatnot. But yeah, we sort of sat outside in the little garden area, which was- The Yakitori garden. Yeah, which was lovely. And- um. They just kept bringing us out this just beautiful sashimi. And the one thing that I really remember was the, like, it was a wasabi maki roll. It's a tamaki. Tamaki. With uh, tempura prawn and wasabi, but perfectly balanced. Yeah. So you didn't have to add the wasabi to it. It was already mixed through the rice. So it was already combined for you. So it's that sort of experience where it's like, this is already perfect for you. You can consume it. Like you don't have to mix your wasabi and with your soy if you're one of those people. Or, you know, you don't have to add all that stuff. It's like, here it is. Ready consume to go. it. It's sushi master stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're bringing it as it's supposed to be eaten. And of course, the prawns, uh, the shrimp are so good. 
from Sri Lanka, and he's getting the best of the best ones. In fact, speaking of the best of the best, one of the reasons that you could almost believe you were in Japan eating at this restaurant is that Nihonbashi is actually using Japanese sushi-grade tuna. And the reason is, believe it or not, Japan doesn't get all of its tuna from Japan and the seas around Japan. Japan actually gets around 12% of its seafood from Sri Lanka, which includes about 700 metric tons of tuna per, per year. So annually. if you're having Japanese-grade tuna, you're actually having Sri Lankan tuna? Well, no, of course, there's lots of tuna that's from the waters around Japan that they catch. Yeah. But they don't have enough supply to meet the demanding needs of the Japanese Well, we know the Japanese like their seafood. Exactly. When they want tuna, they want the very best tuna. They're used to the very best tuna. But actually, 700 metric tons a year of tuna is being shipped from Sri Lanka direct to the main Tsukiji fish market in, I believe it's in Tokyo. Wow. And so that is one of the craziest things. So he's actually intercepting that tuna because he's one of the main chefs on the island. He knows people who know people who know people. Oh, he's a man who knows people. So he's getting it fresher than they're getting it in Japan because he's getting it the second it comes out of the ocean. Yeah. They're not shipping it across to Japan. It was perfection. Yeah. All of his seafood there is amazing. And an interesting fact he told us was that Sri Lanka also exports tuna to Europe. They ship to Europe the stuff that didn't make the grade to go to Japan. <laughs> and he's getting the stuff from the Japan shipments. So yeah. he's really getting the top stuff. So if you're hanging out in Sri Lanka and you have a hankering for Japanese food, <laughs> this is the place to go. Nihonbashi is the place. But he's actually mixed things up. It's not just 100% Japanese. He's got a little bit of fusion in there, such as his curry leaf tempura, which uses Sri Lankan curry leaves and the tempura style of cooking. Mm. And I think he has a few other dishes. I don't have that in my notes right now, but he's definitely made an effort to try and combine a bit of the Sri Lankan style with traditional Japanese, which is awesome. One of the other really interesting dishes that we had while we were there, I think we must have had like seven courses in this restaurant. There were slightly smaller, lighter courses because yeah. it's Japanese, but I mean, he didn't hold back on giving us a lot of food. He kept jumping up and going, oh, oh, wait, you have to try this one. <laughs> yeah, just kept getting us more food. Yeah. He's, he's oh, did fun. you like that? You really like that one? We'll get, get any like gestures to the, to, the, to the chefs behind the thing. And it's like, you know, another one. And we're like, oh, wait, we still have another restaurant after this, right? <laughs> he's having a good time. I think this is one of the reasons he does so well also is because... It's a game. It's fun for him. Yeah. It's not a chore to do this sort of stuff. No, it's exciting yeah. to get people involved in his we food. We had a wonderful night hanging out with Deshaun. I think he's a really cool guy. And we had, yeah, just a really easy person to get along with. But one of his favorite new dishes that he got very excited about, it won't be a new dish now because this was a couple of years ago, but his latest invention that he'd barely served to anyone was his new tomato soup with shredded nori. Oh, that was amazing. Sounds really, really basic, but he told us the unique and creamy tomato soup had a very secret ingredient, but actually it's not a secret ingredient. It's a secret omission of an ingredient. There was absolutely no cream in it, yet it tasted like a creamy tomato soup. Totally insane. And he told us what they did was instead of using cream, every single portion of this soup is hand whisked vigorously to aerate and creamify the tomato flavor. And they add soy and olive oil as well, and they top it with nori so you're getting this wonderful umami sense from the nori as well as this the air makes it feel creamy when there's no cream yep, so it's, yep. like, it's like a, a vegan friendly version 
of tomato soup. And totally healthier for you too. Really amazing and such an interesting concept. But that's it. He just messes around with ideas and this is the sort of thing he comes up with. It's like a mad scientist of the kitchen. Now, even the Japanese tourists are impressed with this place and there was quite a few sitting around us when we were there. So people genuinely know that it is up to Japanese standard. And there was one dish that he serves that he said they don't serve this in Japan at all. It's like something, it's a bit of a faux pas, but he serves it and Japanese tourists love it. Uh, it's an olive oil kaki taicha. And I pronounced that totally wrong, but it's that, <laughs> it's that, whatever that is. I'll explain what it's about. When it comes out, it's actually a little bit of a show. So there's some raw fish placed over rice with a raw egg yolk right in the middle. And they bring out this sort of ladle with really almost boiling olive oil in it and garlic. And they pour it over the top and it sort of just slightly sears the raw fish and the outside of the egg yolk. And, and it sort of le- releases like a bunch of steam when that happens. And it, it's a little bit, of a, a little bit of a show. Yep. Yeah. But it only just sears the fish a little bit. So it's like perfectly seared. And literally Japanese tourists are there with like 20 cameras all going, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like loving it, which is quite amazing. I was loving it as well. I could oh, see yeah. why. But I, I think he, well, he gave us the impression that in Japan, this is considered a little bit um, uncouth or something. I don't know. Maybe like, maybe using olive oil. I don't know what it was, but he was like, in Japan, they would never do this, but we're totally doing this. Yeah. And people loved it. Yeah, yeah. It was very, very cool. Just, yeah. Everything that he does, you're just like, all right. <laughs> like, it seems a bit weird when he explains it. And he's like, it's all right. You'll love it. We're like, all right. <laughs> and he never steered us wrong. Yeah. It's like, could I be this creative, please? <laughs> Can I come up with all these random ideas that are just really amazing and be constantly surprising to people? That would be fantastic. But anyway, we made it through quite a lot of white wine and <laughs> yeah. lots and lots of dishes before we got whisked away to the third and final restaurant, Kama Sutra, not Kama Sutra. Kama Sutra, or maybe Kima Sutra, I can't pronounce it exactly. This is his contemporary Sri Lankan cuisine restaurant. and. The name Kima Sutra literally translates to the art of food rather than the more famous Kama Sutra, which is the art of something else. <laughs> I think we all know what that is. So this restaurant, as well as being interesting contemporary versions of Sri Lankan cuisine, it's also housed in the old Colombo insane asylum. Yes, it's such a cool but weird place to be sitting and having dinner. Super quirky. Very nicely lit up. It's been nicely refurbished as well. Oh, yeah, it's well. all been refurbed. You're not like in some like There's no weirdo- mental patients there now. No. It's not like rusted out bed frames and old gurneys and stuff. <laughs> it's fully refurbished. Now, as we mentioned at the start of the episode, this restaurant copped a little bit of flack from local Sri Lankans because what Dashan has done is he's taken traditional street food and turned it into fine cuisine with prices to match. So this actually, the main outrage was less about some of the unusual things he's done with the food and more about the fact that you can walk down the street about 200 meters to a streetcar and get exactly the same dish for one to two dollars as he's serving for sort of 10 to 15 dollars. Yeah. I think it's about that price. I can't remember the exact price, but it's still, it's not crazy expensive. It's not fine dining New York no, expensive. It's no, still, it's not Western expensive. It's just Sri Lanka expensive. Yeah. So... 
locals got a bit funny about this. They're like, well, I don't pay that much for this food. This is the sort of food I just get from a street corner. And I've got a guy down the street who does the best one ever. But that's definitely not what this restaurant is about. It's that same old story that once you actually try the fancier version and realize the top notch quality ingredients that have gone into it, you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. And also the innovation. He's doing it differently in a way that you're not just going to get at a street corner restaurant. Yeah. But I get it. If you grew up with the cuisine, you're going to be going, well, I've got a guy who does this already and it's a dollar yeah. fifty. So you're going to get a little funny about it. But I mean, we get funny about it. We can be like, you know, ever since we've left like Mexico and like we look at the price of tacos, if we go to a place that's selling tacos, and you're like, you want me to pay what for a taco? You're crazy. It should be like 25, 50 cents. Exactly. Why am I paying $3 a taco? Exactly. It's insane. <laughs> $12 for three fish tacos. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. But, I mean, I'm going to tell you about some of the food as we go through here. But I think it worked out well. I, it's still running now, of course. It's been running for years. It's really a fantastic look at Sri Lankan cuisine. It's a great sort of crossover. Involves some Mediterranean influences and other things as well. Now, the one thing about Sri Lankan cuisine you've got to consider is, unlike the Japanese cuisine, where we'd had loads of courses, it was all very light, sashimi, tamaki, etc. We're turning up here and Sri Lankan food is heavy. Dense. We're talking carbs. Yeah. Lots and lots of carbs. So, to finish off the meal, you obviously saved this one to last for a reason. Yeah, you couldn't start on that because you wouldn't get through the rest. No, exactly. But he grabbed us an outside table. They don't always seat people outside, but uh, he gave us some special attention. So I can't tell you that you can always sit outside. But he got them to set a table up right next to the fountain. We're opposite the Shangri-La Hotel. And of course, we're surrounded by the old insane asylum. So it's quite an atmospheric little spot. And there's a fountain running right next to the table. And yeah, stuff's lit up. There's this crazy Shangri-La building. is also an old building. It's like white columns and things like that. It's an interesting little spot to dine. I loved it. I thought it was very cool. As you said, atmospheric. Like, it, it was very cool. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit of echo. So, you're talking and you, you feel like you're in the sound box. And, uh, yeah, loved it. It, it created a, a real sense of place. The sort of colonial sense of place. Colonial yes, Sri Lanka. very colonial, yeah. Yeah. So, one of Sri Lanka's most popular foods is called the hopper or hoppers. Yes. Now, hoppers everywhere. are available on Almost every street food or, well, restaurant menu, obviously street food sometimes only serve one dish, but hopper is very popular. It's sort of like a bowl-shaped pancake made with rice flour, and the base of the bowl is sort of a bit thicker and denser, and the edges are like really thin and go crispy up to the outsides. So it's like an edible bowl, and they fill it with different toppings. Sometimes it's things just as basic as some onion sambal. It's like an onion chutney, Sri Lankan style, or maybe a runny egg, or maybe some curry. So that's sort of like the traditional thing. You can find that everywhere. But at Kaima Sutra, he's got the Euro Hopper. Yes. His fusion version. This is one thing I very, very much remember from that night. So the Euro Hopper includes buffalo curd drizzled with olive oil. That's their new topping. And one of the big differences is that he's made these hoppers more than double the size of a regular hopper. So normally you'd get like a stack of these little hoppers on the side and then you'd fill them up with different things and, and then you just eat them. But this is like a, a huge dinner plate hopper where it's already served with the right amount of curd and olive oil. Now, what we thought when we ate there, and I still didn't realize till very recently, is I thought buffalo curd, this must be a 
like that's a very much a Mediterranean thing, perhaps, that he's taken. Mm-hmm. But actually, buffalo curd is a traditional Sri Lankan dessert. Because they got lots of water buffalo, right? Because it's Sri Lanka. Like plowing the fields and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so actually, buffalo curd is something that's very, very traditional in Sri Lanka. Ah. So the olive oil is really the difference. They would never use olive oil to make this sort of dish. And also, they don't really use buffalo curd in a hopper. Not that's in not that very way, normal. no. It's quite often used as a dessert dish. So, yeah, totally really interesting to have this very dessert dish mixed with a savory main course and olive oil. No, it was cool. Really interesting. I think actually, even though weren't we like stupid full, but we made him like get another one of those because it was so good. <laughs> one of the dishes we definitely uh, we were ordering more. But actually, by a this time, a few people time, had joined us by then. Yeah, yeah, a few people had joined us by this point, uh, including, and I can't remember exactly because by that point we had a lot of wine, but it was one <laughs> of the very high ups from Sri Lankan Airlines. Not like maybe the top guy, but one of the managing directors. Yeah. Uh, so we're like, okay, now we're we're in deep with some. Very, very important movers and shakers. Yeah. It was quite a random evening in that sense. Well, I think even Deshaun has a co-owner of that particular restaurant, and she's a famous uh, Sri Lankan soap star. One of the owners is a Sri Lankan cricketer, one of the most successful Sri Lankan cricketers from Ministry of Crab. Wasn't there a movie star? Maybe there was a movie star as well, but as I said, yeah, there was a lot of different people, yeah. <laughs> and we weren't making notes by that point. No. Nope. Just taking photos. The wine and was flowing. Hoping for the best. So, as we said, quite a crazy evening. The first roaming degustation in Sri Lanka. Yeah. And all of these random celebrities and such turning up. But we're not finished with the food just yet. There was more food to come because there was more people at the table. He just pretty much ordered all of the best things off the menu. They were eating it and we were just trying little bits because we were still pretty full. So, kotu is another really famous street food. It's probably my favorite Sri Actually, Lankan street food. Yeah, I think kotu was my favorite as well. Definitely from the traditional street food options. It's shredded roti bread, which is sort of like a flat bread that's normally fried. And then it is chopped into little tiny shreds. So it's, you're essentially turning roti bread into noodles yeah. that you can then make this sort of stir-fried roti noodle dish. They throw it all onto a hot plate. They mix it up with spices, vegetables, and some sort of protein. And yeah, it's like a stir-fried noodle, pretty much. Sri Lankan stir-fried noodle, but using bread instead. Really, really awesome. Carb spectacular. <laughs> but also on this occasion, he'd elevated it by using crab which would not normally be the sort of thing you would have in a kotu because it's a basic Certainly street food. not. This is like basic, basic, basic street food. Yeah, normally you'd have chicken or something like that. Yeah. They do it with lots of different things, maybe mutton or whatever. But yeah, so doing it with crab, super fancy. And yeah, and they had a couple of kotus. I think there was a lamb one that came out as well. And just the perfect balance of the spices. This is the difference that you're getting. The street food ones, you might know one guy that you really love his one. But this, just like, oh yeah. Yeah, they, they know what they're doing. It's taking street food and making it elegant. Exactly. So the table was full of dishes. We're not going to talk about all of them because there was far too many. So we're going to jump on to dessert. And this dessert is called What the Hopper. <laughs> yeah. Another twist on the classic hopper and a, tri- a twist on a classic dessert called paniata, which is a Sri Lankan dessert. And... What he's done is he's mixed together the hopper idea, but for the dough for the hopper, he's made it sweet by adding honey. And it comes off like because they cook this to the point where the edges go a little crispy, because of the honey, it goes a little more crispy. Mm-hmm. So that sugar sort of caramelizes a little bit. It goes a much darker brown. 
And then it's topped again with the curd, but this time with treacle. And curd and treacle, that is the ultimate like basic dessert in, in Sri Lanka. That's like the easy, simple, traditional thing. Yeah. Who knew treacle would be a... It's just like dirty, yeah. classic, awesome. Yeah. But that's it. That's like one of the favorite things. But l- lifting it up once again, it's got strawberries on top. Yeah. You're not getting that on a regular Sri Lankan dessert. I mean, I'm not a big dessert person, but that was really special. That's literally the thing you say every time we talk about a dessert you like. (laughs) I'm not a big dessert person, but this dessert. (laughs) Every single episode. Because every time I'm in a country, I probably had dessert once. And so I have to talk. But I guess when we're going to have dessert, we're going to make sure that it's a special one. (laughs) You're right. I do say it all the time. Yeah, all the time. That should be your episode sign off. I don't normally have dessert. But this was amazing. (laughs) It was good. It was great. It did round off the dinner nicely. And by that point, we definitely had a little wine, but I actually have a photo of the hopper and he brought out a bottle of Moe. And that was, it was served with a bottle of Moe. (laughs) Like the wine just kept coming. Oh, it was such a good night. This was a decadent evening of uh, of insanity, of crazy eating. Yeah. Let us know when you want to come and we'll come and visit again. Yeah, we really did appreciate it. So we, we loved being the guinea pigs for what could have been the first ever fine dining roaming degustation in Colombo. Yep. I guess we could say that's one of our claim to fames. Yeah, definitely. Claims to fame. And of course, you know, as we said, you might not have this experience of going, you know, do it as a roaming degustation. But these three restaurants are in Colombo and you can go to them and have this food as well like and we highly recommend it like if you're there you definitely have to go to one of Deshaun's restaurants and just have this you know delicious experience whether it be Ministry of Crab or if you're in the mood for like a Sri Lankan influenced Japanese or if you want that elevated like Sri Lankan traditional cuisine there's you got to just go to one of them yeah choose one or go to all of them you know whatever you like spend a few nights they're all fantastic we were truly impressed and, of course, yeah, an incredibly memorable food travel story for us. We're just flying around in his private car between restaurants. Yep. He's got his four by four and, uh, like, yeah, being treated like royalty is always nice. Yeah, and it was a very special It was night. a winning experience. So, sadly, there doesn't seem to be any indication that Deshaun has actually continued this idea and made it a thing. I'm not surprised in some senses because it was sort of extreme amounts of eating. We ate a lot. I guess they could cut down on some of the courses and streamline it. But I feel like his goal is more to be a restaurateur than to um, have food tours running. Yeah. Well, I mean, as I said, I'm pretty certain they've opened up a new Ministry of Crab. I think it's in Bangkok, actually. Well, he actually told us when we were there, one of his big goals was to like go to a different country every year and open another restaurant. And I feel like that's probably taken a lot more of his time than having any interest in continuing this tour. So maybe this really was one of a kind. Uh, wait, maybe he's opened one in Mumbai. Oh, okay, so I'm wrong. It's not Bangkok. So there's one in Colombo, Shanghai, Manila, and Mumbai now. Wow. And when we went there two years ago, I'm pretty sure it was just the Sri Lanka one. That's what I thought too. So he's not messing around. He's getting the franchise out there. Yep. So I think the new one's Mumbai, not uh, Bangkok. Sorry about that. Oh, well, the original one is still the one that's rated in the best, and it is probably because that lagoon crab from north of Colombo is some of the best crab in the world and huge. So, to finish up this episode, of course, it's one hell of a lot of food going out and doing this sort of degustation, but we actually, we love the roaming degustation experience, not just 
with Deshaun, but I mean, in general, we do it all the time. Yeah, we've sort of always created our own informal roaming degustations, going between street food restaurants and cafes. We've been on food tours. We do that a lot. We do, yeah. So this was not a new concept for us, but doing it between fine dining restaurants was definitely new and not something we can normally just do all the time because, of course, it ends up costing a lot. One restaurant is already a big night out, so three restaurants of that caliber is something that you'd think is reserved for the, the highest end clients with lots of money to burn, which we generally don't. Food podcasting doesn't pay quite as much yet. as other businesses yet. yet. So, you know, that's a good point to remind you that you should rate and subscribe. Give us a five-star review if you love this show. We'd love to make it bigger. Join on iTunes or wherever else you listen and let other people know about the show, of course. But my big question for the end of this episode really is that, you know, I love doing this sort of thing. I love tasting multiple dishes. I actually find it disappointing when I can only have one dish Agreed. at a meal. Yep. I'm like, I want to try lots of things every time. Life is too short. But what do you think? We want to hear from you. Tweet us at Food Fun Travel. What's your favorite tasting menu experience or degustation experience? And would you roam multiple restaurants in one night? Or are you more of a, I'll sit down and have the tasting menu in one place? Thanks. What is your preference? I like it. I mean, I think you get up between each meal, you work off a bit of the food, wandering around. Yeah. I'm into it. You run the risk of like the food settling in, being worried about that. But we started with two light things. It's like with seafood and then suit like like Japanese food, like sashimi and stuff like that. So by the time we did get to the heavy stuff, we still had plenty of space. Ish. So like, <laughs> sort we of. made space. We made space. Yeah. So I guess it just depends on what the uh, cuisine is. Yeah, exactly. I guess you have to plan your own roaming degustation. But I just, I don't know that many roaming tasting menus aside from food tours. Yeah, exactly. I've never really heard of this experience, which is probably why it hasn't gone anywhere, because it's just a little bit ahead of its time. But as the culinary travel movement increases, it's something that may become more popular. Yeah. Hopefully, because I would love to do more of these sorts of things. It was super fun. All right. So thanks to Deshaun and all of the team, all three of his restaurants. His Kema Sutra, his contemporary Sri Lankan restaurant, Nihonbashi, the Japanese traditional with a little bit of Sri Lankan flair. And of course, his most famous restaurant, Ministry of Crab, which is now in those four different countries. We are not sponsored by Dashan, but we just wanted to talk about this because it was one of our really awesome food experiences we've had in the last 20 years. Exactly. And, you know, it's this is what these episodes are about, is just talking about great nights. And we still remember this night out with Deshaun so fondly. And we just wanted to let you guys know about it. More notes and some photos, including a photo of Deshaun with those giant tiger prawns we mentioned at the start. Huge! That are literally the size of my arm. Crazy big. Uh, you can find them at the show notes, foodfuntravel.com slash Colombo podcast, just like Peter Falk's Colombo. C-O-L-O-M-B-O. <laughs> Do find that there. And of course, join us for the next episode of The Dish. There will be more tasty food. We've got feature episodes coming up talking about specific dishes. I believe there's some Bulgarian food coming up oh, very soon. Oh, Bulgaria's the best. Bulgaria, one of the most underrated food destinations. But once you've been there, you will be hooked. Yeah. But still. All right. That's it from this episode. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.